I realized that the only way to take this country forward is if we build the skills, if we build people. You know, our motto at, at the Inspire Mentorship Program is build people, build the nation. The University of the Free State presents a series of conversations with outstanding alumni from this great institution. Voices from the Free State. I'm currently the head of strategy projects and innovation at Alliance Insurance Company. I'm also a business consultant and advisor. I'm a wife to Stephen Munyamane and a mother of one wonderful three-year-old boy, SJ. I was born in Bethlehem, South Africa, in the Free State uh, on the 11th of July, 1989. Um, and I grew up in Liribe, Lesotho for the early part of my life. I, I grew up with both my mom and my dad until I was four years old when my dad passed away. Um, and then I was just raised by my mother from there. Um, and then my mom moved us briefly to Maseru, still in Lesotho, to live with my grandmother, um, who took care of us while my mom was pursuing her studies in university. Um, and shortly after that, my mom then took us to boarding school in the Free State at Low Vepna High School. And then that's where I was from grade five. Then later, when I was 11 years old, my mom also passed away. So then we moved to, to live with my grandmother again. Um, and she raised us from there. So firstly, I want to say the way I, I always like to think of my life is, you know, with my mom. And then I think later without my mom. Um, and I mean, I, I focus more on my mom because my dad passed away when I was still quite young. Um, so I don't remember him much. So um, growing up with my mom, um, I just remember fond memories. Um, I had this fond memory that I tell a lot of the time when I was in grade one. Um, I had already changed schools quite a lot, you know, because of all this moving. Um, and my mom, basically, I wasn't doing very well in school. And so um, I came home one day and I told my mom, you know, oh, mom, I'm so happy because my grades have improved. I'm now position three in class. Um, and, you know, I was like so excited. And she looked at me, you know, with a bit of a serious face. And she said, so who's position one? And I proceeded to tell her the name of the girl who was in position one. And my mom said, what does she have that you don't have? And that really stuck me, you know, or stuck with me even at such a young age, because I knew immediately that she wasn't really, you know, she was, it's not that she wasn't impressed with my uh, improvement, but that she was basically spurring me on to um, aspire for better that, yeah, position three is great, but you can do better. And I believe in you. And so that's something that really stuck with me. And from there, I just, you know, was always the best student in class. 
Um, and I really enjoyed the way my mom raised us up, always probing us uh, with questions and making us be a bit reflective or making us reflective about how we were we were living our lives and you know the type of things we were doing by the time she passed away i think she had really left that impression on us um i was very independent um i would go to her university i would basically get on a bus um and go to from liribet to maseru and she i would find her waiting for me at a restaurant or something or she would find me sitting there waiting for her then she would pick me up from there and then we would go the rest of the journey with her um and then i'll go back home the same way so um she raised me up very independent um and so by the time she passed away um at the age of 11 when i was 11 i think she had really left that impression on me and so then growing up without her firstly my grandmother played such a big role you know in being a support structure i always look at her at that rock that is just always there she's still alive today uh, and i'm really grateful to god for that um she was my grandmother was very determined to make sure that we finish school because a lot of people when they talk about orphans you know they talk very negatively in our society in Lesotho people will say you know an orphan uh, will not amount to much orphans are very um troublesome so a lot of people were telling my grandmother that we are not going to make it in life and that she was really just taking on trouble by raising us so my grandmother was very uh, particular that we finish our education and so she didn't even raise us up to do your normal chores that children do in the home you know of cleaning and doing all of that she would just be like you just clean your room and wash your clothes i will cook for you you just study all you do all you have to do is make sure that you study and so during my time um during holidays when i was back from boarding school i would just be studying the whole time i wouldn't be playing outside with other kids um until maybe when i was a teen and you know other kids started coming in saying oh let's go and play but a lot of the times i would be just studying and reading books um but i mean obviously it was challenging personally for me because my mom i was a bit older than my younger sister when she passed away so i was depressed for 10 years although i i think it didn't affect me a lot because i took out my depression or my frustration on my studies so it made me more focused and less social i suppose um and but i was depressed and i only saw later when i got to university um when the effects of you know growing up without a mother were very visible my self confidence um kept on dropping the older i grew the less confident i became so by the time i got to university i was just a shadow of who i was in high school i mean in high school i started off debating and playing netball doing everything that a young child would do but by the time i got to university i was even too shy to join the university debate team so um it's a bit of a mixture you know um and i think till today as a as an adult you realize that there are effects of growing up without parents when certain things happen in your life like when i became a mother then i realized oh wow um i actually have this void in my life because i grew up without a mom and so being a mom then becomes this emotional thing that you have to deal with those emotions that are rising that are not familiar so it's something that definitely has an impact um over the long i i suppose yeah the whole of your life um at different times at different milestones of your life so it's very very interesting
Yeah, so definitely having having these strong women in my life and having them, you know, pushing me in my academic life um, also made me very, very determined to succeed in every other thing that I would do. So till today, I still have, you know, a mantra that if I start something, I have to finish it. And I'll talk about it when I talk about my studies later on around how I use that to to succeed in my studies in university. Um, but in high school, I was basically doing debate, netball. I was doing athletics, everything. And I remember actually one of the things that other kids used to tease me or, or to show, I don't know, displeasure at me was the fact that I'm everywhere. You know, they'll say, oh, you're everywhere. And wherever I was, I was leading. If it was a school play, I remember I played Nala. I mean, yeah, Nala. Uh, my friend played Simba, but I was always the lead character in the play. I was always the, you know, school prefect or leader in the class. Um, I was always a representative if, you know, you needed a representative for a class. So um, I was always in the lead, in the front, and I was pushing myself. I wanted to join choir. I actually have a funny story around choir because I can't really sing. So I went to um, the choir auditions at my school. Uh, I was, I think, in grade seven or something. I don't remember very well. But um, Mrs. Fenter basically um, did an audition. It was like an individual audition. And I think she wrote an F on my on my paper. And I saw that. I'm like, okay, I think she wrote an F, which probably means I failed the audition. So I went back to Mrs. Fenter and I said, Mrs. Fenter, um, even before the, the, the results of the audition came out, I went to her and I said, Mrs. Fenter, you know, I wasn't really feeling well when I did the audition. And I think I didn't come across that well. I was wondering if I could redo it again. And I remember Mrs. Fenter looking at me, you know, just puzzled at this request. Um, and she said, um, no, it's okay. You, you don't have to redo it again. The results will be out soon. And I had made it into the choir. But I swear, <laughs> I am sure I had, I had not made it because even today I cannot sing, you know, to save my life. But I do love singing. So I think that is just a, a show of the determination that I had in my life. Just that push to succeed at everything, the push to be involved in everything. In general, um, as a person and just judging from, you know, who I am now as an adult, I have a very strong sense of self um, and I always wanted to do things because, you know, I can do them and I want to more prove to myself, you know, that I can make it. And I think there was a time when I wanted to prove to everyone else that I couldn't make it. But I really feel like I knew my grandmother believed in me. I knew that my mom believed in me and that I feel like she, when she passed away, I felt her pride. And I, you know, I felt that my mom is so proud of me. So even with my grandmother, I've never had a sense that, oh, I want to make her proud. It's always been either about I want to do this because I know I can or about I want to, you know, to prove to everyone else. I want to prove everyone else wrong. That is a naysayer, you know, in my life or that is, you know, might not believe in me that much.
So in terms of going to the University of the Free State, in as much as I was driven as a child, I didn't have um, a lot of foresight. I didn't think forward a lot. So it was always about, you know, being in the moment, performing in the moment. Oh, I've passed. Now I'm going to grade 11. So I remember that in grade 12, I, I hadn't thought ahead uh, in terms of what I want to do when I grew up. And also, I think the fact that when you grow up uh, as a talented child or a child that's, you know, involved in a lot of things, you end up not really knowing the one thing that you are really, really good at. Um, and so you're told you can be anything. I didn't really have an idea of what I wanted to do at university. During the year, one of my teachers, my African teacher, Mrs. Ross at the time, told me about the matriculant of the year competition. And she, you know, basically told me that you're going to enter this competition. Um, I really think you can make it as a finalist into the competition. Um, and this competition is a competition that the UFS has with um, Fog's Blood and a few other sponsors where they choose, I guess, the top matriculants that are well-rounded, that are not only good academically, but are also good in sports and debate and, and other um, other things. So I entered the competition and that's how I applied basically to enter the University of the Free State. So I became a finalist in the Free State. I was chosen um, as a top 14 finalist. And I remember just when I was advancing, like from, I think they chose the top 30 or something and then 21 and then, you know, eventually 14. I just couldn't even believe it that I, you know, I was making it as a finalist. So then um, that's how I got to go to the University of the Free State because um, they awarded finalists uh, part scholarships and a lot of other perks and benefits, um, you know, as an encouragement to join the University of the Free State. So that's how I ended up there. I really hated accounting. That is the funniest thing about my career is out of all the subjects that I was doing within BCom accounting and later B accounting, accounting, I think I had the lowest marks on because I was just not interested. I wouldn't go to classes. I wouldn't really apply myself. Um, but I was doing very well in like subjects like law and industrial psychology and all the other subjects. And that obviously became a problem later because in third year, then all you do is accounting and accounting related subjects. And so I had a very, my third year was uh, um, the toughest year of university for me. Um, and it was a huge learning curve because now I really had to catch up and be a bit more serious about my accounting studies in particular. Um, and then I finished my B accounting degree and went on to B accounting. And B accounting was also tough, but I think more so mentally. So in my fourth year, I broke up <laughs> with my then boyfriend. We had dated for three years in university. And then it just went downhill for me. I ended up not passing my honors, my BEC honors. Um, and I had to basically finish university. And then, yeah, I finished my studies at UNISA while I was working um, later on. I guess we'll get into that. Yeah, so what I can advise students um, who are maybe in high school, for example, to think about in going to university is to really pay attention to, you know, who they are, what they love, what they enjoy, because university is an opportunity to really set a foundation to build, you know, the rest of your life on. But also if you can't get into the course that you want 
to choose something, a path that can still lead you there. So for example, I know with students that want to study medicine, sometimes they'll be advised to start uh, studying a BSc, maybe microbiology or something similar, because maybe they can't get into, they don't qualify, or maybe they qualify, but there's not enough space, you know, when they apply. So I would encourage students not to give up if they can't get into the course of their choice, but that they should choose something that will allow them to later transition into that. Uh, but to also leave themselves room to say, maybe if I can get into something, I don't know what I can, what I will discover about myself if I choose something else. So it's also not a train smash. I mean, I could have studied B admin or I could have studied computer science. And I think, you know, in it, I could have still found my path, you know, the path that I'm following now. So we had most of our classes at Stabilis, which I didn't like because it was just overcrowded. When I think Stabilis, I think a thousand students trying to get to a lot of different classes. Um, I enjoyed classes at the next to the sports center. I forgot what it's called. You know, those classes were a bit um, manageable. So I enjoyed going to class there. Um, and some of my favorite lectures, I really, really enjoyed law back in university. In third year and fourth year, I really enjoyed the intimate lectures um, with the different accounting faculty, Prof. Libe. I loved <laughs> listening to Prof. Libe, uh, teachers ethics and other subjects um, in auditing. Very memorable times. I lived uh, on campus. Um, I lived in Velvicia, go Velvel. Um, and I hate the traditions. So I was one of those people that was like, why do we have to do all these things? In first year when we got there and we had to go to the rec farm and we had to go sing with all the boys. Usually we used to like visit a lot of boys' races and sing with them and like have to get to know them. Oh, that was so, I did not enjoy that. Uh, but I, I mean, I made the best of it. Um, I do remember that um, I didn't make it into the singing team <laughs> during rag because like I said, I really can't sing. Um, and that was painful because I, I actually wanted to, to be a part of it and I couldn't pull a Mrs. Fenter this time around. So um, I was one of the people going around carrying the sherry during um, stage door. Yeah, during stage door, I was carrying around the sherry and pouring it for, you know, the people that were singing. Um, so that's a memory that I have. I think what I loved about Rez um, is the, um, the fact that, you know, we're living with a group of young women and that's where I got to make the friends that I made in university. One of my best friends, um, our kids are the same age right now. Um, we got married like a few weeks apart, you know. Um, so that's where I really got to make lifelong friends. Um, I also served in the residence committee of Rez. So I also feel like I got to contribute a lot to the rest community. Um, I was one of the, I was a netball coach. I got certified as a netball coach while in university and I got to coach my team in netball. I also uh, coached the soccer team. Uh, don't ask me how. I actually ended up playing for the Kofsi football team as a goalkeeper. Yay. Um, because I was coaching my team and I, I had gone to watch their practices just to learn, just to see how, how they play and stuff like that. And I ended up 
being recruited to be a goalie, which wasn't for long because then later I was doing my honors and I couldn't uh, juggle all those things anymore. But I had such a great time in university. I loved the I loved the academic culture and the sports culture. That's what I loved the most. Currently, I am living in Lesotho. I moved back to Lesotho in 2015. And I am running a consulting company called Inspire Innovation Business Consultants. Through Inspire Innovation, we're also doing a number of initiatives in entrepreneurship development, as well as uh, mentorship for young professionals. And then I'm also the head of strategy projects and innovation at an insurance company. Um, that was actually my clients. They were my clients um, through Inspire Innovation. And then beginning of 2020, they asked me to join them full time um, because they felt and I also felt I could add a lot more value um, as an employee there. As I, as I spoke about earlier, um, I failed my honors at the University of the Free State. So at the end of my honors, I had to make a decision of whether I will be studying full-time, again, repeating my honors, or if I'll be going to study part-time while I start my articles. Um, and initially, I was really, really keen on going back to study full-time, but I had a, a bursary with PwC. And so um, they had to give me permission to go back and they basically said, no, we need you to start right away. Um, so I went straight to work and I was very initially for the first six months of work, I was really bitter about that decision. But I think that's really the best thing that has happened to me because when I got to work, um, I was basically faced with the challenge of I am a failure and I needed to prove myself, Right. But I also realized that up until that point, I used to define myself with my studies, my accolades, my achievements. You know, um, I spoke about, you know, how my mom, you know, had encouraged that in me, actually, to be somebody that works hard and, you know, is an achiever. But the downside of it was now I didn't know myself outside of these achievements. And so when they were stripped away from me and I was now seen as one of those um, article clerks that is starting off without CTA, I really felt naked and I felt that I didn't, I couldn't define my worth outside of that. So my first year of articles um, was amazing for me because it was a time for me to define myself outside of my accolades. I didn't have a, um, a CTA degree to, to define myself with. I hadn't passed my degree cum laude, something that is actually a, a very pain point for me. Um, well, I've let it go now that I've grown, but at the time I had, I was 2% short of getting my degree cum laude. Um, and that was really, I felt really sad about that because, you know, I was this driven person. So when I got to PwC, it was about who are you? Who are you outside of, of your achievements? I remember in July of 2011, which was in the first year of articles, when I turned 22, I sat down with myself and I had a reflection, a moment of reflection. And I said, Dike Lady, who are you? Um, you have to separate who you are and what you do and, you know, what you've achieved. And I started just defining myself as a person, who I am. I'm a valuable person. I have intrinsic value as a person. My value doesn't diminish, you know, whether I'm successful or not. Um, and I also set a vision for myself. I said, how do I want to feel about myself when I turn in 20 years time, in another 20 years time? 
Um, how do I want to feel about myself when I turn 42? Um, and I started writing and it was really so much about how I want to feel, who I want to have around me, the environment, you know, in which I want to find myself, what I want people to say about me and less about accolades and achievements and things I've collected along the way. And I think I always describe that as a turning point for me in terms of my relationship with myself. Um, and that just defined the rest of my career. So I joined PwC for three years. Um, I then made a goal for myself to say, in as much as I failed my honors, I can still qualify as a chartered accountant within the seven years time frame, which is from your first year up until, you know, you finish your articles. And so that became my goal to qualify within seven years. And I did qualify, even though I failed after I passed my honors. Um, I then failed my first board exam, but immediately I picked myself up and wrote the board exam again, which I passed and then wrote the second board exam. And then I was done with my articles. So I qualified, you know, at that time, which, you know, made me also regain some confidence around work and, you know, around that part of my life. In fact, after qualifying, I worked for another six months at PwC. And then I decided um, I want to to get more experience outside of auditing. I felt auditing had now become a comfort zone. Um, at PwC, I had really left an impression because the partners and I were now having a conversation about, you know, when they want to open a firm in Lesotho later on, which was part of their ambition, they would want me to head up, you know, that type of thing because I had my roots in Lesotho. So at that early stage of your career, if you're already having those type of conversations with your superiors, it means you have really left an impression. For me, I felt, yeah, this is a bit of a comfort zone. It's like my success is already figured out. Um, I, if I go on this way, I didn't feel I would grow as a person. So I then decided to leave PwC and go figure myself out. Um, so I joined SAB as a financial planner um, for about eight months. Uh, but while there, I felt, you know, I couldn't really connect with the vision of selling beer. Um, I wasn't really feeling that vision. So um, I decided I want to do something that connects a bit more with my vision, my values as a person and something I could find meaning in. So that's when I started exploring the, the idea of moving back to Lesotho without a plan, really, but just saying, I think with the skills that I have, um, I can find something useful. Um, one of the things around about the chartered accountancy qualification is it's such a, a good fallback plan. You know, you can't go wrong with it, I feel. So I felt if I don't come right, I can still come back to South Africa and find a job and, and catch up very quickly with my peers. So I then left South African breweries um, in 2015 and I moved back to Lesotho. Um, so now I said, OK, I think it's time to now start that consultancy that I've been dreaming about. And then later on, I joined Alliance Insurance, as I mentioned. So I think failure is very important in life. It's actually a part of life because it helps us develop as people. And not only failure, I mean, pain as well, setbacks in life, anything that doesn't go according to our plan um, helps us develop muscles, you know, that we didn't think we needed to develop. Um, and it, it shows us weaknesses in our lives that need a bit attention. And if we can use failure as an opportunity to learn, um, then we can gain the lesson of that failure in, my, in life. Um, and how I've seen this in my life is, the one failure that I spoke about of failing, um, you know, my honors in university, um, that was one big failure, one first big failure for me. And 
it doesn't mean that after one you failed and you've made the best of that failure that you you get used to failure you know later in life you know there've been other failures or setbacks or you know challenges in my life where i've had to i learn again once again that okay it's okay to be in in a situation where you hadn't planned to be and to then see the basically what you learn from that situation so i'll i'll make an example with um the fact that i i spoke about how my career hasn't been a straight journey so for example if i had stayed in auditing i would be a partner now and i would be a celebrated partner because i'd be i'm 31 years old so you don't really get a lot of people being partner at 31 years old and so sometimes when i feel when i start feeling like maybe my career is not where i would have been if i were if i had stayed in south Africa um, and I start comparing myself to my peers in South Africa who honestly have way more opportunities than I think anywhere um, in the rest of Africa. Um, I start feeling like, oh, I wish I had stayed in South Africa. And then I start feeling like a failure. But if I look at the kind of skills I've had to develop by working in Lesotho, in the environment that I'm working in, through doing the initiatives that I've had to do, which only makes sense here, because in South Africa, for example, you know, there is a professional development program for young professionals. So I wouldn't be somebody to to go and do that. So in this space, you find yourself doing things because there is a lack of things. If you focus on on what is not there or you focus on the challenges without focusing on what they are there to teach you, then you miss that lesson and you miss the person that you become in the journey of dealing with the failure. My decision to move to Lesotho was for the most part based on my desire to live a life of purpose. Um, when I was in Bloom, just for a bit of context, I was going to a church called Christian Revel Church. And, you know, one of the recurring sermons of the church was about um, what is the one thing that you would do that you want to do and you need to do before you die. And when I looked at the life that I was living then, um, at the time I was still a financial planner um, and like the type of things I had to do on a daily basis, go to to the depots and count stock and do all those things. I didn't feel that that's what I wanted to be doing. And I also felt that, you know, the kind of job that I'm doing, if I leave tomorrow or I die tomorrow, like finding a replacement would be so easy because there's not a lot that I'm doing that is bringing Dike Lady and the core of who Dike Lady is to the workplace. It was pretty much just doing what anybody could pick up and do tomorrow. So I really had a deep, deep set dissatisfaction around purpose. And I also started realizing that I'm somebody that really needs to fulfill. Um, I need to feel like I'm bringing all of myself to work and I need to feel that I'm doing something that is important to the betterment of society, which I didn't feel then. So I then obviously, because I had always wanted to go back to Lesotho, felt I think that is the best place for me to go and live out, you know, this desire. So since starting Inspire Innovation, a big part of what we do is um, entrepreneurship development and mentorship. The core of it is skills development. What I realized as I started working in Lesotho and being involved in different things, I realized that the only way to take this country forward is if we build the skills, if we build people. You know, our motto at, at the Inspire Mentorship Program is build people, build the nation. 
So I've now really shifted my focus to the need to build people, capacitate people with skills, capacitate people with the ability to choose, you know, what they want to do and to to discover themselves and to locate themselves within the society as an important part of the society and as people that can contribute to the society. So the role that I see us playing really is is that in as much as part of what we do is serving organizations, but the focus is the people in those organizations, making sure that the people feel that they can build the organizations or that they can build institutions or that they can um, contribute to solving the problems of the society. That's the bigger vision, you know, but obviously we take small steps to get there. We work with small groups of people, make them aware of their purpose, um, make them interrogate their values, make them interrogate their, their contribution to society. Um, but we also believe that you can't give what you don't have. So the first part of what we do is capacitating people to help themselves as individuals. And we believe that when people's cups are full, then they can start looking around and saying, what role can I play in society? So we don't believe in placing a big burden on people who don't have much to develop their country. You know, they can't give what they don't have. So a big emphasis is on capacitate people, give them skills, give them resources to better their lives. And consequently, other people's lives will become better in the process. So just to talk more about ABASA, ABASA stands for the Association for the Advancement of Black Accountants in Southern Africa. Um, it is an organization that was established, I think, in 1987 um, with the objective of making sure that uh, more black people in South Africa become accountants, specifically chartered accountants, I think, at the time. Um, and obviously, it was started at a time when there were no uh, or black accountants, or maybe just a few. Um, so I joined Abasa while I was at PwC. Um, and one of my mentors, actually, I met one of my key, key mentors in my career, I met through Abasa. In fact, shortly after I joined, I became a treasurer in the um, Abasa, in the organization. And then later, I became the first female chairperson in the Free State branch. And just like my journey in Abasa was the, the one that made me realize that I can actually use my profession. I didn't have to go outside of my profession to have an impact. I realized that within the profession, there are challenges that need solving. And so I can contribute to this. So we would go to, to schools over the weekend in the locations, in the, um, I don't really want to say rural areas, but in the previously uh, disadvantaged schools um, in Bloemfontein. And we would offer accounting courses um, or accounting tutoring for metric students. And then what we'd also do is we would go to schools in Kwa Kwa, in uh, Botsabelo, and we would be, be advocating for the accounting profession. So we would tell students, this is what you need to do to study accounting. Um, you need to pass meds, you need to pass um, accounting and pass your languages, obviously. Um, and so we would teach students about the accounting profession because we realized that, you know, when we grew up, 
we didn't know anyone who were, we didn't know black people who were chartered accountants. But if students started seeing black people engaging with them, this would be a career that they would choose um, instead of just, you know, being nurses and, and teachers and the usual things that they saw that they grew up seeing in their communities. So, um, oh, I really became passionate about mentorship and, and professional development within Abasa because I could see that accounting trainees were actually a bit ignored because we were already expecting the accounting trainees to give back to their community, to give back to the high schools. Um, we wanted each person to organize a school visit to a school that they, they used to, to go to in high school. But I realized that they also needed mentorship and they also needed people to guide them through um, throughout their articleship, basically. Um, so Abasa Johannesburg had a program called the Abasa Leadership Program. Um, and I implemented the Abasa Leadership Program in the Free State. Um, and then through that, we would have monthly meetings, monthly leadership sessions where we invited a guest speaker to come and speak to trainees. And then after that, we would basically have a networking session. Um, later on, we actually started a relationship with the University of the Free State where we provided mentors for their Tutuka students. So Tutuka is also a buzzary fund that is provided for black accounting students in different universities in South Africa with the same objective of getting more African people um, joining the accounting profession. So then we started a program where we availed our trainees and, and CAs to come and mentor students um, and have different sessions with students at the University of the Free State. Um, and this was, I mean, an amazing initiative that will definitely also contribute to making sure that students, um, a lot of accounting or black accountants or black students um, drop out of, of, of school or they never really finish their studies. So we also wanted to make sure that the throughput rate of universities is improved um, and, you know, by engaging different universities. So, I mean, through Abasa, I saw the just the power of using your skills and your expertise in and engaging um, societal problems in your sphere of influence. Uh, that's the, the biggest thing I got from there. I think the biggest successes that I've had in my life, um, the first one I think is is making it this far. Um, every time I want to write a book, <laughs> a life story, hopefully one day, and the 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 titles that I think about um, is fight for your life. You know, I feel like my life has been a fight, not so much with the world, but a lot with um, me internally, my mindset. Being con conditioning myself right, um, setting the right goals, making sure that I don't drown in whatever challenge I'm going through. So um, this year is 20 years since my mother passed away. Um, and I mean, my I measure everything with, you know, from the day that my mom passed away because it was such a big loss in my life. Um, and in November, on the 17th of November, 2020, um, it was 20 years since she passed away. And I really had goosebumps, literally just thinking about the journey that has been and the fact that this is what my life looks like today. I couldn't have imagined it. Um, I couldn't have dreamed it. I really didn't think that I would amount to anything as a person. And so I celebrate that and I celebrate, you know, the power of God in my life because he's my anchor as a Christian. Um, so that is the one uh, success that I would say is the biggest for me. And then from there, it's the the milestones, you know, 
as a as a professional last year um i was selected as one of the top 35 under 35 chartered accountants in in south africa and that was a big big affirmation for me because as i said i have uh, pursued a bit of a a different journey from a usual chartered accountant and so to see that i'm still recognized in my industry as somebody that is playing a role an important role in society because of the work that i'm doing was very affirming for me and 10 years prior to that um i had been selected as the first uh, winner of the student leadership summit by the south african institute of chartered accountants and so it's, it was a great full circle for me last year when i was selected for the top that five under 35 because it also showed that the different initiatives that Saika is doing to advance people or to recognize people or to celebrate people um you know I don't know it felt like they celebrated me when I was in 29 in 2009 when I was still in school they recognized um potential in me and because of that and the experience there um I then you know became this chartered accountant that is recognized in the industry so that's a great one for me and there've been many others um serving in the council of the university of the free state that was a big honor for me um i was the youngest person to be elected into the council of the university of the free state usually the youngest person is the src president um and so i was the first person to be elected at my age just as an election uh, of council um and then following that um i am now in the council of the central university of technology not only is that an honor but it's an opportunity you know for me to serve and to keep growing in my leadership journey um and there've been so many others that yeah i just really feel honored so i think the woman that i am today is very key you know to the the type of person that my son will be when he grows up um interestingly enough when i think about my mother and how she went back to the university um just after my dad died um i want to mention that when my father passed away my mom was 25 years old um she got married at a very young age and to a man who was a bit 15 years older than her so when he passed away she was 25 years old with two kids then she decided she's going back to university and i always tell you know women that struggle to make a decision of whether they should go back to school or just stay with their kids that when i think about my mom in university i don't i don't become sad i don't think oh you know we didn't even have a lot of time with her and then she spent most of it at university i think about like i just have memories of visiting her enjoying time with her at university meeting her friends seeing university life and i think subconsciously it had an impact on the kind of person that i am um so for example when my son was 4 years old i went to do an mba i started an mba at the african leadership university and i would go it was a part time mba so i would go every 3 months um i would leave for 2 a week i think 10 days um and then in 2018 i decided to take my son and go to ireland to go work at pwc ireland for a year i needed a break from lesotho um and we were there for a whole year and these are you know bold decisions that i believe other women would be really afraid to make but um i was reading a book by brene brown recently that is called daring greatly and in it she talks about how our kids will become who we are 
we will not teach our kids through theory. I won't speak success into my my child's life. If I mimic success and I mimic uh boldness and i mimic courage then that's what my child is i mean my child will mimic that if i show him that so i really believe that who i am today is very important um to who my child will be my child is always watching me i mean just the other day he was saying mommy uh, i'm so proud of you because when i was young you was working and now you are still working i don't even know where that came from uh, but he usually sees me sitting in the study working away um and he knows when it's mommy's work time and when it's not so um i really also feel blessed to be living in a generation where as a woman i have a choice and i can make these choices with the support of my spouse who's been a great great support system which is also very important because i don't know if if he insisted that i stay at home um or not even stay at home cuz you know you can you can decide as a woman that you want to stay at home and that is the choice that you make so if my husband had his own idea of who i wanted to be and he decided that that's what i should be and it was different from the idea that i have of myself then obviously um this would be very much more difficult to do you know so i really feel blessed that we are part of the gener- a generation of women that have all these choices um and i think our kids will greatly benefit from that the future projects um that i want to do are around mostly around skills development um so we've now run our mentorship program for a year we've had great success in the past year we've had um two cohorts of mentors and mentees um and in this our second cohort was specifically just consisting of legal professionals so um we want to influence key professions in lesotho so we're really I mean my vision is to see us um partnering with professional associations partnering with organizations you know employers um and developing programs for them and having them you know buy into our program um and I mean if if the development of Lesotho renders us um unnecessary you know because people are now you know being developed there are there's sufficient skills capacitation opportunities then that is the vision really um and i just want to mention that this year we met, we partnered with the Lesotho Institute of Accountants to develop a mentorship program for them and so i'm hoping that you know the law society of lesotho will also come on board at a later stage when they see the success that we're having with the lawyers because professional development is pretty much the same in every profession um so i really want to start partnering with all these key associations and organizations in the country so that we can scale our impact um one of the interesting things is that back when i was in university um the alumni community or alumni association you know it just seemed to be so far away from all of us it just seemed to be um a community of certain people um and i really commend the ufs that um they are now doing a drive where they want to involve all their alumni um and i know that you know in lesotho at the moment there is an alumni association which is also quite still young and needs more developing um and i think the role that the university can play um right now in the in industry we're talking about um partnership you know partnerships with universities because we're realizing that there's a there's no longer a gap 
between school and and uh, work, you know, the work environment. So um, I believe that we can find learning opportunities for alumni who are in different industries um, and partnership opportunities between organizations and the University of the Free State um, in order to provide that learning value, learning opportunities um, to, you know, alumni and, and other people as well. Yeah, I think, I mean, as an alumni, I think there are so many opportunities for me to give back. Um, I spoke about the mentorship program that we did with Abasa and Tutuka. And I do believe there are other um, needs that the university might have of connecting students with the workplace once again, because these things are now really blurry. Um, so I think the alumni can really, really uh, be engaged to be involved in such, you know, initiatives. I think that people that come from different backgrounds that find themselves uh, coming together at university, um, that firstly is an opportunity to understand the differences. So you know how people um, like to say, um, you know, we're not that different. You and I, we're the same. So let's get along. I have a different view on that. I believe that as people, we are different and that we can actually get along at the at our, you know, point of differences. That being different doesn't mean we should look for commonalities so that we can get along. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges that South Africa has right now, that we want to find places of commonality before we actually get along. When I think about my time back at university, one of the regrets I, I guess that I have is that, um, especially like having the different classes in English and Africans, is that it didn't provide a good opportunity for people to come together and to learn about each other and the difference, you know, different cultures and the diversity because the differences actually make us diverse and they make us need each other because as a person, um, I can only do so much because of my background and my character and my limitations basically as a person. But if I link up with other people that are different from me, then we can achieve so much more. And so I think more than anything, when we're sitting together in class and we come from different backgrounds, we need to bring out those differences and celebrate them. Because at the end of the day, the one common thing that we have is that we are human. We are human and we matter and we are valuable, all equally valuable. So if that is the core, then that's enough. You know, then beyond that, we just have to get to know each other. Where do you come from? Be interested in another person and be interested in the story, knowing that at the core, they are as valuable as you are. My advice to current students would be to make the best of your university life. I don't know one person who's an adult who does not miss the university and the, the time of not having responsibility and the time of just having endless amount of time to do whatever it is that you wanted. I actually look back at university and I think, why didn't I get like 150% because I had all this time to study and do nothing else. So, um, and the other thing is to put yourself out there in university. The only way you're going to get to know yourself is if you actually get involved um, in an association or, you know, within your, your faculty or address, wherever you live, you know, get involved so that you can start learning yourself and learning the kind of things you, you like to do 
do and the kind of things that you don't like to do. I always tell people that um, I thought I would love working at an orphanage. So um, I volunteered, I think, like during study breaks, um, I would volunteer at an orphanage next to where my grandmother lives. And then I realized that I don't enjoy it at all. Uh, because um, I just, it made me feel powerless. I wanted to do more for those kids and it was just a frustrating experience for me. So I wanted to be involved in other ways, you know. Um, so that's a, it's a big point. Like it's a, it's a big point of self-awareness to say I might have been an orphan, but I don't really enjoy working at an orphanage. So I think people, if they put themselves, students in particular, if you put yourself out there in university, by the time you get to work, you're self-aware and you can also contribute to the workplace. Um, you sort of have to start somewhere. And then seek mentors. Seek mentors in people who are ahead of you in their studies. Seek mentors in people who are following the career that you think you want to follow. Um, seek internships during study breaks. You know, learn as much as you can and be curious. Um, not with the point of making like a lifelong decision, but with the objective of just getting to know yourself a bit more so that you can, you know, start making these small decisions for yourself as you go up your career ladder. How we as the alumni can get involved. The first thing is, obviously, we have to have a connection with the university. We have to find a connection. During my time at the UFS, basically the raids video made headlines and um, there was a lot, you know, around that experience and a lot around how the university dealt with that video. Um, and for me personally, it created an opportunity for me to reach out to my Africans friends and say, you know, what do you think about this? What are your views? You know, why are you not as angry about it as I am? And to understand where they came from. Uh, but more than that, when I became an alumni, I realized that I was still kind of mad at the university and I had to reconcile with the University of the Free State in my heart, you know. Um, and I did this because in my journey, like I've shared, I learned that the community, whatever community I'm a part of, it is a and um, a result of the people that are in that community. And so if I want to make a community better, then I should participate, even if at that point it's not um, you know, it's not as I would like it to be. So I think a lot of, um, especially black alumni that studied with me at the time, one of the things that they have to do is to reconcile with the university and to say, if we want this university to be what we will be proud of, which is, I mean, already, um, I mean, the, the, the university has transformed, you know, in a lot of ways um, that I am personally proud of. Um, but if we wanted to continue growing and continue transforming and continue are reflecting the society in which you know it exists we need to contribute to it and so we need to go back and be involved in whatever ways um, that we can be involved um, either mentoring a student um, contributing you know to funds for a student to study and be successful or contributing to university initiatives you know, such as you know, this one, um, being part of the council where the highest decisions are made in the university. So as an alumna, I think we actually have a responsibility to go back with what we know, the skills that we have and the resources that we have and to make this university one of the best universities, maybe one of the top universities in South Africa.
Voices from the Free State is produced and directed by Francois Van Skulvik and Keenan Carlzer. Post-production is provided by the UFS Alumni Office and production support by Adrian Hall. This podcast is produced for the UFS International Alumni Program. For further information regarding this series or to propose other alumni guests, please email us at alumnipodcasts at ufs.ac.za. Any views and opinions expressed in this recording are those of the individual guests and should not be attributed to the University of the Free State.